0: Welcome to Leadership Life Podcast. I'm Kelly Boo Bolts, your reality check mixing leadership theory and practical application together that fits into our daily actions. Let's dig in. So let's go into um, body language. This is so important in HR, but I think it's even more important for a leader because your team is watching you, right? And, and when you're presenting or even in a conference room, people are watching these little signals that you give off. And so when I met you, I was like, why are you not in the beginning of my leadership journey? Because it's so important. Um, and so why don't you explain how you even got into this body language, but why you why you stuck with it and why you train, train workforces on this?
1: Okay, wow, uh, absolutely. And that's a lot to unpack,
0: <laughs> but yes.
1: <laughs> yes, okay, I got into it because I was born incredibly insecure and shy. And I was the person who was always marveling at the person who could walk in a room and just sort of own it. So that that was, I just, I thought, what are they doing? Like, what is that secret sauce? So that part of my personality was craving the ability to learn that. And then I went on to college. I got my degree in psychology and graduated, wanted to make a difference in the world and decided that I was going to work with people with disabilities. So I did that. And I loved it, I actually stayed 26 years. So I worked in group homes, I worked with people with developmental disabilities and literally worked with people that were nonverbal. So that was fantastic training. And that, that planted the seed, like I was starting to get really interested in all of that. And it's kind of the same thing, like I was like, how come that staff has so much more success the other staff so i started to break that down and then eventually when i became a trainer they asked me to train new hires and i had to stand in front of a group (laughs) that's when it got real that i mean it's sad that that's what was sort of the thing that pushed me over the edge but i'm like i need to learn and master this because just like you said as a leader you walk in a room and there's so much that our brain is taking in our brain is large and in charge. (laughs) And I like to think of it as like a software program. It's constantly running in the background. It it literally, I, I, I should find the study that I read, but a couple times a second, it's making sure we're safe. So it's constantly scanning. So that it's doing its job. Our brain is picking up cues, friend or foe. That is a big part of what it's doing. And am I safe? So the big thing is when you first meet someone or you're, you're connecting with your leader, our brain is making sure that we can trust them, that we, we feel safe, and then it cares that they're competent. So it's kind of a warmth-competence combo. So it has to, and it's in that order. It's warmth, then competence. It needs to know that it's safe. And once it's safe, then it cares about, is this connection? Is this alignment? Is this interaction going to serve me? So that's like the selfish part, but it has to like you first. And most people in business are all in on the competence. I want to show that I'm smart, that I'm professional, that I'm doing my job. And they forget that critical piece of warmth that I need to feel invested in you and that I'm safe.
0: Yeah. And I think the worst thing that I see in conference rooms and even when I go to clients is, the phone use, so you have someone speaking or really just trying to figure out what they wanna say to the group um, and the dialogue, and there's other people on their phone, just like zoning out, or someone's like, oh, I'll look up that person's email right now, and it's almost like you can see the disengagement just slowly happening, like a slow car crash, where they're basically showing, I devalue what you're saying at this point, I'm gonna do a quick task and, and move on from this conversation.
1: Yeah. And, and that brings up a, a good point vocal power. We can hear through the phone. You can hear a smile. You can hear the tone and people minimize that. Um, and yes. So, you know, jumping on a virtual call, if someone's looking at other things, we know they're multitasking, et cetera. That is gigantic. It's super
0: important. Yeah. So when we first spoke, it was interesting You use some terminology that I think would be really helpful for leaders, but also the burnout community. And it talks about low versus expansive body language. And can you break that down for us a little bit? Because I, I teach leaders how to step into a room and, and realize they should be there. And then even with the burnout community, that not everyone's a threat, it's just you're in survivor mode right now. And so, um, until that point, you need to understand where you are actually safe and where, um, You can go without, you know, just scanning everything as a threat. threat. You're going to be exhausted at the end of the day just from doing that. So, explain the difference between low and expansive language uh, a little bit more for our listeners.
1: Yeah. And this is the perfect time to be talking about because we are watching the Olympics. (laughs) And the Olympics is where you can see this on display. So, in brief, like it's called power posing. That means taking up space, like claiming your area. And there's low power posing, which is um, kind of collapsing in on yourself, being a little bit smaller. So real quickly, like the Olympics, why I say it's so great is when someone wins, it just, they automatically put their hands up and they claim space. That, that's a universal, that is hardwired in our brain. When we feel confident, we own our area. We're very expansive. When they lose, however, right? You see people like literally Olympians because they're exhausted will collapse. They'll kind of be in a ball. Um, You can, it's so obvious. um, And that's the same thing where you're just making yourself smaller. So the pioneer of this was Amy Cuddy. If you've seen her Ted talk, she is the number two Ted talk I think of all time. And she did a study on power posing. So she kind of coined the phrase, made it popular. And in brief, what her talk is, is she's a professor at, I believe, the University of, or yeah, at Harvard. And she noticed that women would come into her class and they'd have their backpack and they'd tuck it under their chair and they'd sort of just sit in their spot where guys would come in and they'd put their backpack on the chair next to them or they'd just claim more space. So she started studying this and this is what her TED Talk is about. And so she got into testing hormone levels and different things. But all of this to say is they did find that when we're more expansive, we are more confident. So for someone experiencing burnout or just wanting to feel more confident, this comes down to looking and feeling more confident. And you do that by claiming more space. So kind of the beginning point is what they call the launch stance. And that is where you stand with your feet shoulder width apart. So if you're not driving or you're able to stand, put your feet shoulder width apart, um, shoulders back and down, your head straight forward, and then your hands at your sides. That's a big one where people will usually cross their arms and put them in their pockets. You want them very loose at your sides. So if you practice standing like this, and I'm doing it right now, you should start to feel you know, okay, like it's fine. Now, if I ask you to cross your arms or cross your legs, that makes you smaller and uh, we can start to feel the difference. So it creates this feedback loop where then you do start to feel more insecure. So personally, for me, this was big. I'm teaching. I know I need to kind of command the room, own it. And so I had to work hard at standing this way. It felt really awkward for the first couple days, but then it, it eventually became default. And now it feels weird if I don't stand that way, but that I think just psychologically, if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm owning my space, I'm claiming it. You do start to create that sense of feeling a little bit stronger and better. And obviously important when you're experiencing burnout.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because I always tell, especially um, new leaders or people who are really struggling with presenting that if anything, get out of the chair and walk the room because like you said, and I didn't even realize it until you just said it, you're owning the space, but I actually thought it was just distracting to the brain. Cause you're moving around instead of sitting in this chair and fear um, your body's kind of thinking about, you know, like my space, my room, am I going to hit this chair, this wall? I always thought it was that like kind of a trick for the brain. Mm-hmm. But Mm -hmm. yours makes much more sense where you are owning the space that everyone is in. And when I have to present when I'm sitting down or virtually, it is a very different feel, almost like I'm questioning the things that I'm saying versus when I walk through the room and the group. Yes, absolutely.
1: And this, if, if I may, can I apply this to the virtual world? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're on a Zoom call, I always encourage people to. Um, If you can stand great, not everyone has a stand desk, but that allows you to be more expressive and more expansive when you're speaking, but if you're, if you're in a chair fine that totally works, but keeping your hands above the table that allows you to be expressive, but it also, um, and if you have arm armrests on your chair that's a good thing if you could raise them. Um, that allows you to keep your hands kind of in the frame, but what it does is it opens your chest up a little bit and makes you more expansive. So it's the same kind of principle where you're claiming a little bit more of your space, yeah. and that that works with our brain chemistry. Our brain feels more confident.
0: Yeah, and it's not so much a dominance thing. I because mm-hmm. there's plenty of space usually in conference rooms or wherever you go. It's more of what your body language is is telling your brain, and that's why. Um, a previous episode in the burnout prevention mentor, we talk about sitting in your car in the unhealthy and healthy ways. And the unhealthy ways is we're hunched over the steering wheel, we're crying, or we're really upset or we're screaming. And there's a difference between sitting back and breathing and listening to the music or going through your thoughts versus the hunched over. And um, the body language is one, but there's mechanics that you're literally decreasing oxygen when you're hunched over like that. So um, it's interesting that this all comes together, not only expansively of how people are reading you, but how your body mechanics are functioning when you're closed off and in a ball versus, you know, the stretch that's why, you know, stretching and yoga. Right. Is really impactful.
1: Yeah. So the car thing is a fantastic example. And this. I've used it in a different way, uh, you know. if I have to give it a presentation, especially one that's intimidating. Um, so when I'm in my car, and this would apply to burnout too, is we often we check our phone and that's when you hunch over it. Uh, checking your phone automatically kind of moves you to low power because our shoulders typically roll in, we have our device in front of us right. And that's, we do that unknowingly. So be mindful of that. But the other thing is playing music, actually does pump you up. So you want to play music that you love and makes you expansive, you can kind of dance. So if you're going into work and you're feeling that dread, um, really get that that music going, get yourself expansive, start owning it and um, careful with that phone.
0: Yes. I mean, I talk about it on the mental side a lot. Um, mm-hmm. But that phone, your head is super heavy. And um, actually an occupational therapist told me if people knew how heavy their head was, would, they would not look at their phone like this because <laughs> it, it, it is basically the equivalent of like a 20 pound weight that you carry on your little neck and your back. So when you have a sore neck and a sore upper back, the first thing you should do is remove the phone time or like lay different when you're doing your phone, but that's a great, uh, that's a great analogy to it. Um, yeah, there's yeah. so many reasons why we shouldn't use our phone. That's another one, right? <laughs> yes. Because you have a heavy head. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about when we walk into a conference room or into a meeting, what type of things could you do or, or even gestures or, or how you sit that could be different of um, the difference between this low and expansive?
1: Right. Well, there's a whole lot of science surrounding walking. So just a couple of things, obviously, and this is I shouldn't even share this, but they have found um, criminals can kind of size people up by their walk. They know who they're going to target just because we can tell confidence. We can tell someone who's insecure. And if you're going to target someone, you're going to pick someone who's not confident, Uh, How you walk in. So again, kind of owning it, you're, you know, you're going to have that launch stance, but now you're moving. So be purposeful when you walk. And then I, I wanted to just share with your listeners, there is a website you can go to called bio motion lab, and they do cool research, but I was just looking at, they actually have a demo of someone walking and it's, it's just the points of their head. Like you can't see the person. It's just like you know the points on their body, and you can mess around. You can um, change the gender, you can change the weight, you can change um, nervous or calm or happiness or sadness. And when you adjust those levels on the website, you can see how the movement changes. So we can determine really a lot by a walk. We can start to pick up on gender on mood, on confidence. And so that's just a, that's a real visual way to to be like, oh yeah, I guess I can see that.
0: Yeah, and, and this is super important. That would be great for any leader to go out to that website because mm-hmm. um, in HR, sometimes I would be in a conflict resolution meeting or even just in a meeting and I can read people a little bit better just from all my training, but people will say certain things around certain people and then they leave the meeting. And then when there's issues later, leaders like uh, we had the meeting and we talked about, but you didn't read the room. You didn't read the body language. You didn't, they're saying whatever they need to say to either keep their job, keeping good graces, um, you know, or out of fear that they don't want to speak up. So if you can really read people and practice this and, and, and connect with you for training, you can really become the, the leader that reads so well, like people don't even have to really speak. And, and they just I mean, know, and you can be the leader that catches the smilers. I mean, the, the biggest feedback I got in my burnout was why didn't you say anything? Because I was the smiler, right? I was high performing. I was still functioning. I was still answering people's questions and, and being that facilitator of meetings, but all my body language was like the shutting down the, the closed off. Um, I would hide behind like my oatmeal and my coffee in the meetings. Cause I just didn't want to be there. And if people have more knowledge around body language. I feel like all the signs were there and I couldn't help myself because I didn't know what was going on, but maybe someone else could have helped me or said, Kelly, what's going on? Like you used to walk the room and now you sit there like hunched over on the table. Um, What's going
1: on? Well, okay. And there's two things you said that that, um, I wanna just comment on. So you are a smiler. I bet it was a fake smile though, that it didn't really engage the upper cheek muscles. So that's a huge cue if people can pick up on that then you can dig a little deeper because we do that as a way to calm ourselves down. Like we're trying to convince ourselves we're okay, we're okay, it's all right. You see this at networking events, you see it at kind of stressful events. So yes, someone who um, is savvy with this or knows you well, if you've had that experience, someone walks in a room and you're just like, are you okay? You are picking up on those nonverbal cues. Um, The other thing you said, like you had your oatmeal and things in front of you. We do that when we're feeling less confident uh, and and take this with a grain of salt, but okay. Next time you're at a restaurant, do some people watching. When you see people really engaged in a conversation, they will start to push things to the side. We don't want to, it's called blocking and we block with our drink, with our bowl, with our papers, with our books, etc. So obviously, if you're at a restaurant, you're eating, you're going to have a plate, you're going to have things in front of you. But as that meal is ending, you will see people start pushing things aside because if they're really connected, you don't want anything between you. So that that's just smart business in general. If you want to make someone feel comfortable, you don't want things in front of you. You want to keep it open. But yeah, if I worked with you and I knew that, okay, she's not getting up, her smile is fake, she's got she's putting things in front of her those are those are red flags like something's yeah. different
0: yeah and that moves you up the rapport and trust scale because now you know your leader or your boss is listening and watching and not in like a vindictive way like poor performance more of they care and they want you to do well and that's the, i think the difference between a, a good leader and a bad leader is you are paying so much attention to someone's well-being that you know when something is off without them even saying it and that's that's the the bosses, people don't want to leave, right? It's right. like leaving a family member now.
1: Yes. Well, in in brief, I, my mission is I want to help people feel seen and heard. So when you feel that, you know that people care. And that's the important of body, the importance of body language is when you can see that, you can respond in real time. And I can say, you know, I can comment on if I'm picking up on, oh, that looks like a fake smile. I'm not going to say you're fake smiling, but I can ask another question, etc. And that's when people feel heard like, oh, because I'm responding in real time and I'm seeing you.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for the most part, the burnout community that I work with are on this lonely journey by themselves. And, and mm. what I try to spread is a majority of our population is in this state right now. So we need to talk about it. We need to recognize these signs and, and, and bring it up. And you could be the one person that saves someone as well. I mean, I had the physical part, but there's a whole mental side of burnout in which right. people have to make some really hard life decisions. And um, sometimes those don't end really well. So right. this is great. What type of services can you provide um, workforces or the community in general?
1: Right. Well, so I do a lot of speaking. So I do, you know, I can work with groups. I I do workshops. We can break down different body language cues. There's, there's basics. I believe everyone should have in their back pocket. So I do that. And then I also do one-on-one coaching or even group coaching where um, it's very individual. So if you're someone who is told you're intimidating, perhaps you would want a session on how to add more warmth cues (laughs) Um, or the vice versa. If you're someone who is kind of um, taken advantage of, or you feel like you're a doormat, you maybe want to add more cues that add competence. People that have a big presentation or a pitch, or just want to build their connections. um, I do one-on-one coaching with that as well.
0: Yeah, that's really important. I mean, coming from a conflict resolution type of role, that would have been really nice to partner up with some of the people I had in those rooms where they say that what they need to say to keep their jobs put their body language is saying a whole different thing. So you leave that meeting and nothing really moved forward because they didn't recognize, you know, like, like you said, either your aggressive state or, um, you know, that you're almost too intimidating that no one wants to speak to you or come to you. And that's what can get companies in trouble, right? That's when people start hiding things, quality things, or, or messing around. And they're not going to ask for help or go to their leader when they see those unethical things happening.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir
0: here, but yes, (laughs) but I believe that strongly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what, what is one tip you want to leave the listeners with um, in regards to body language? That's really just in their power.
1: Really? I guess I would think about kind of do a self audit back when you walk in a room, what comes with you? So I imagine like a speech bubble. What is that word that's hanging over your head? figure out what that is so you probably have a sense of it and then ask a few people like what what am i bringing because there's that person that will come in a meeting and you're like (laughs) or someone comes in and you're like oh sally's here right we have this essence about us so i would identify what that word is and that's going to kind of trusted people and saying you know what do you think is my speech bubble word what is showing up with me and then kind of reverse engineering that like okay Is that in alignment? Yay. If not, what are some of the things that I need to be doing? So if it's burnout and I'm showing up stressed, if that is the word that is coming out, um, what am I going to do? What changes can I make? And then there are things, of course, non-verbally that you can start doing, standing confidently, projecting yourself differently, that can start to, to affect your brain as well, and have you start feeling a little bit more confident. So kind of do a self check on your speech bubble. How am I showing up? I would start there.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss out on all we have to sort out yet. Share this podcast with others to bring leaders clarity to this crazy fast paced world we live in today. Make an impact, lead from within, and you can't go wrong.